Hey, this is DJ, and you're listening to the Traveling on Purpose podcast. I'm a travel hacker and personal finance coach, and I'm here to teach you how to travel for free or for a fraction of the cost. In this podcast, I'll share my tips and tricks on how to earn points and miles, get free flights and hotels, and save money on your next trip. I'll also interview other travel hackers and experts to learn more about the latest trends and strategies. So whether you're a beginner or a seasoned traveler, I hope you'll find this podcast helpful and informative. So sit back, relax, and get ready for takeoff. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Traveling on Purpose. We have another very special guest here with us today, Lizette Austin. Lizette, if you wouldn't mind, could you please introduce yourself to the people and tell us a bit about who you are and how you got into travel hacking? Sure. Great to be here. Thanks for having me on. How did I get into travel hacking? Well, I guess it starts with the love of travel, obviously. And that started at a really young age. So I was fortunate enough to be an only child. Some people don't think that's a good thing, but it is when your parents love to travel and they can afford to take you everywhere with them. So I was able to go to a number of places starting pretty young, Europe, always a lot of vacations into Mexico and around the United States and stuff like that. So I had a bit of a travel bug, but really when I got into, I studied abroad in Italy when I was 19 and that really got me going. So I just loved it and I couldn't afford it though. So my dad, again, privileged, my dad was a doctor. He was a psychiatrist. And so again, only child. So I had a comfortable middle-class, upper-middle-class existence. Very privileged that way. And then I went out on my own, which means I did not have the kind of income that would support a lot of travel. I remember cutting out coupons. Yep, I'm that old that we would like cut out box tops or I don't even know, things where you could just get a special (laughs) special (laughs) deal on a bed and breakfast. I would go hear those pitches that they would make, you know, come and stay oh. the weekend for free and listen to our whole thing about the timeshare. Really annoying, but I would do those. This was in my late 20s, I would say. I got married in my late 20s. And then my husband and I, we would try to find these ways to take trips. And even like for for our honeymoon, well, I first of all, I was like, please do not spend money on a big ring or all this. I don't want all this stuff. I just want to go travel for like a month. So we saved all our money <laughs> to like travel. We had a very small wedding, very small wedding and traveled for a month. So that's really the mindset I had was like, I need to travel. I can't really afford the way I used to travel as a child with my parents, but I would like to still do that. So how can I do it? So part of it was scrimping and saving, save on the wedding. I mean, don't spend on the wedding so you can travel big. Part of it, though, was my husband at first was a carpenter contractor, and we did figure out way back when, seems like the ancient days now, about Alaska Airlines having the credit card, and we would put all of his overhead on that credit card. You know, he's remodeling bathrooms, kitchens. There was a lot of expense that his clients, actually, he would buy everything, and then they would pay him back. So... I was used to, and I kind of laugh now, but I was used to this like, wow, we cleared like $25,000 on the card. So we have one ticket every year. Like it seemed like about a (laughs) ticket a year. It's like, this is so great. I love this. Then he followed his dream and he was always a very good photographer. And he, over time, transitioned to being a full-time photographer, which he's actually very successful at now. And there went the overhead, like no more bathroom remodels on the card. You know, we're just putting a little on it here and there. Mm -hmm. And I got fried on that. I was just like, okay, this isn't working. 
So somewhere around 2011, 2012, I came across on the internet some guy going on and on about getting a million miles. It was actually Million Mile Secrets, that website, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. way before it was bought by the points guy. And he's talking about, you know, racking up a million miles in a year. And I thought this fool is crazy yeah. because I had just paid off. I was always a budgeter. This is part of the story, too. I was well, I wasn't always a budgeter. Let's just say I learned to be a budgeter, student loans, all that. And so we had worked really hard to buy our first home. We'd worked really hard to pay off my student loan debt. We worked really hard to pay our car payments down to zero. This was like a huge successful thing in our 30s, I would say, of like, we don't have debt except for the mortgage. And right at that time, I read this guy's thing and I thought, I am not going back to credit cards. I am not jeopardizing my good standing. I'm not going into debt. Like I was almost annoyed by this person. Um, (laughs) But I thought, you know, I really do miss having more miles, though. So I think let's try a couple little things that he's suggesting. But there's no way I'm trying. Who cares about a million miles? I don't need that. So I did what he said and opened a bunch of cards. And then I really quickly got. 250, 300,000 miles. And I was like, excuse me? Wow. Whoa. And that's how it started. And then at wow. that point, I did clear across a million miles that first year. And I still have. I think I was looking before coming on here. I think over the last 10 years, I've made like nine or 10 million miles oh, or something like that. But I still have a million and a half right now, easily. Um, yeah. So, and I've saved over $130,000 in travel costs. Well, but for the people listening, you're obviously with all these credit cards in a ton of debt, right? This has been horrible for your credit score. I'm sure that you have just racked up. Am I right? <laughs> no. <laughs> so yeah, it helped that I was a budgeter. I was tracking everything. And like I said, I had this mindset going into it that Mm-mm, these banks are not taking my money. So mm-hmm. I went ahead and made sure that I paid everything down to zero. I have not ever gone into debt these last 10 plus years. I actually never paid any APR. Well, there was the occasional slip up, like every now and then I'll realize, I don't know, some automatic payment went through on a card I thought I wasn't using. And then I find out I didn't get the alerts anymore. And then I, something happens. Mm -hmm. And, but you know, you call and say, hey, can you please remove that? And they do. So I've always fixed it. I also had my credit score, which I could never get above like the low 700s. My husband always had like low 800s. Now I'm like 820. That's the other thing I was worried about was my credit score. It's better than ever. Like for me, it's been a boost to do all of this. But that's because I'm always making my payments on time and I'm organized and I take care of things that way. But yeah. So when you first heard about the Million Miles site and you saw what he was doing. He said, I'm going to do a little bit of that. Do you remember what the thing was that you were like, okay, I'll try that. I'm not going to do all this stuff, but like, let me get a credit card and try to hit the sign up bonus. Was that kind of what it was? Yeah. I mean, I definitely paid attention to this idea that basically I was kind of doing it all wrong with my one card, that the Mm. sign up bonuses was where it was at, that I could get way more than 25,000 miles if I just opened multiple cards and got these uh, sign-up bonuses after the minimum spend. So I just didn't want to, again, go into debt. So I was very careful to make sure I could meet the minimum spend and naturally, without manufacturing, without creating reasons to buy things that I couldn't afford to buy. So I, I think he was talking somewhat about that. And I also appreciated that he would list all the cards and their minimum spends. And I would do the math on that and just say, well, there's no way I'm going to open more than this many cards because that's all I can pay in three months. 
And I just went off what we usually spent. Again, budgeter. So I knew what we usually spent each month. And I knew what percentage of that was. I couldn't pay my mortgage with it. So I was going to just look at exactly what I could put on the card and not go over what we normally spend. So I just kept it like that, which actually is what I've done ever since. I've never really done it differently. Tracked all in a big spreadsheet. Yeah. I mean, I use, you need a budget. I already budget, like Mm. I said, with budgeting software. And then I do have spreadsheets. Yep. I had spreadsheets where I would list all the things about each card I was opening. I would create a spending plan for each blitz, I call them for whatever reason. I called them blitzes because I was like, (laughs) what? I got all these miles. This is crazy. So I would track what was going on when I need to spend it by. And then I definitely quickly picked up on this idea that if there's ever any special spending that's going to go on, this was the time to really get into it, maximize this situation. So it always pains me still when I have friends who were like, Lizette, I did what you do. I did some travel hacking. We were going to remodel the kitchen. So we opened that one card and we put everything on the one card. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, you're yeah. supposed to. Yeah, that could have been <laughs> two or three cards, right? Like, yeah, I have some funny memories of just being in stores with like three cards in my hand going, can we put like a third of it on this, a third of it on that, a third of it on this? And they're like, what are you doing? And then just going through like eight cards, that, you know, on a one remodel yeah. situation. So, anyway, smart. When you were talking to your friends about this, like back in the early days, do you remember getting a lot of? crazy looks like, okay, do it if you want to. That sounds like a bad idea. Did you get a lot of that? Oh yeah. I got a lot of that. Mm -hmm. And also mixed in with, did you guys recently inherit some money? Because they were watching me travel. They were watching us travel. Suddenly there was this uptick, right? Like you were just in Japan and now you're back in France and like, what is going on? And I would say, well, yeah, I'm doing the sign up bonus thing. And that's when you get the look, right? What do you mean? You're opening a bunch of credit cards. That's crazy. And I would say, well, you know, no, to me, it's not. Or I would get, that sounds like so much work. But they wanted the result, though. They liked yeah. what I was doing, the end yeah. result. But they were worried about, you know, legitimate things, credit score, especially. I feel like that was the biggest one. Like, you are totally going to trash your credit score. And then also just this whole business about potential debt and just a lot of fear around that. And I think it's good that people be afraid of that. You know, you don't want to be crazy. Yeah, it led to actually quite a few workshops I started teaching workshops Workshops. because because people kept asking me and kept saying these things, questioning me about my sanity and (laughs) explain to them what I was doing. And then they'd want to take some notes and then somebody else would do the same thing. And I would start feeling like I was repeating myself. So I was like, look, I'm going to have everybody over on Saturday and we're going to break this down and explain it all at once. And then so that went well. So then I did another one and decided to charge a small amount. Then it just went from there. Pretty soon I was having them first quarterly, then monthly, and then ultimately created an online course. Because I think what people were after from me was, but how are you doing this without going insane? How are you keeping track of everything? How are you not going into debt? We want to know, why is your credit score going up and not down? So I started giving them some of my spreadsheets and some of my particular organizational strategies. Do you remember first having the idea for having a workshop? And kind of putting it together in your brain and going like, all right, what if I just bring everybody over? We do some PowerPoint slides. When you thought about that, did that seem like crazy to you or did it seem fun? Or how did you feel about this workshop idea? Well, again, I was trying to be people would show up. Yeah. Yeah. At that point, it was like I definitely had like six or seven people like my mother-in-law, you know, um, Mm -hmm. know, just friends. And I was excited at that point because 
I wanted people to know that it wasn't insane. And I wanted people to know that they could do it too. You know, I was very like, this is crazy, you guys. I've never traveled this much. This is like my dream, you know, come true. And you can do it too. So I was very motivated to share what I knew. And I did have a PowerPoint. I think it was back when Prezi, wait, was it Prezi? Yeah, Prezi. Uh-huh. It's still around. Do all the movements yeah. and stuff. Yeah. yeah and, and my son was in, I don't know. Well, he's 21 now. He must have been 11. He was actually helping me with Prezi and it like kind of made me seasick. It was Zooming and I was like, okay, we're not going to keep doing this. But it was pretty fun and people liked it. And then they told their friends. It just started to pick up and actually ultimately directly led to me being a podcaster, which was sort of not an anticipated result. <laughs> Take me down that road. Okay. So you do your first presentation. The people there obviously love it. They're like, okay, so this is possible. And I do understand a little bit more. They start telling their friends, you do another presentation. Actually, before we get to the podcast, which one came first? You deciding to charge a little bit or the podcast? Charging a little bit came first. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What was your mindset behind that? You're like, you know, I could maybe make a little extra side cash. Like, how did you flip that switch? Well, you know, it's funny. Side hustle is such a term, right? It's always a term now, but it wasn't. I'm getting to be a little older these days. I'm not a spring chicken anymore. But back when I was young, nobody was talking about side hustles. But I always did side hustles. That's what I was doing. I was the queen of the side hustle because why? Travel. I disliked yes. working 40-hour work weeks. I really did not like that because I couldn't just up and leave when I wanted to. And I quickly figured out that I could be a freelancer on the side. So back in like... 2000, I got like a nonfiction writing certification from the University of Washington, and I became a freelance writer. I later that morphed into web design. I don't remember how, but I'm <laughs> painting the picture of just my mindset, which was very driven by my travel love, my love of travel. Mm. And that probably, I just have a switch in my brain that goes, click, I could make some extra money off this. Like, yes. I don't know. That's how I started doing web design. Honestly, I built websites for my myself, for my husband, for my dance company. And then somebody mm -hmm. said, you know, hey, can you build me one too? And then I was like, oh, yeah, but maybe you should pay me a little hourly for that because that's a lot of work. And then mm -hmm. somebody told their friend. And, you know, next thing you know, I've been doing it for 10 years and make quite a bit if I build a website wow. now. Wow. So I just kind of decided my time was valuable and that I was going to make them a lot of money. So it probably wouldn't hurt. I'm like, hey, you want to spend $20 and I'll save you like hundreds of thousands of dollars. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, that's a no brainer. How long were these sessions? You remember be like yeah. a couple hours, two or yeah, three? Yeah, a couple hours, a couple hours. And I think I can't barely remember what I charged. I think I started really low, like 20, 25. By the end, everybody paid maybe like 40 and I'd have 10 people. So I'd make $400, you know, for a couple hours. Yeah. It was a little something, Whoa. something in my pocket. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and now you can take me from the in-person seminars into podcasting. How did that happen? Yeah, that was a trip. <laughs> so there was one particular attendee named Doug. He kept showing up to my classes. And I remember saying to Doug at one point, Doug, either I'm a terrible teacher or there's something I'm missing here. Like, why do you keep coming back to this class? And he's like, well... I mean, they're once a quarter and I kind of forget things. And then plus you have so much knowledge in your brain. I just want to pick your brain and ask you about like this card I want to open or what do you think about that? You know, I'm trying to go to this location and you just seem to know all the things. So he's like, you know, have you ever thought of doing like an online course? Because then you could, you know, people could watch it again or maybe you could have a place where they could ask you questions, you know, via email through the course. And I was like, huh, 
And I said, well, that sounds like a lot of work. I don't want to do that. But he kept needling me about it. And ultimately, it led to me creating a course in 2017. I started teaching workshops in 2013. So there's yeah. quite a span there. Yeah. Um, or maybe 2014, I started. But anyway, so mm. I made an online course. It was a lot of work. It was a little ahead of like, now online courses are everywhere. And back, it's funny how things change so fast. It wasn't that right. long ago, but right. you know, I actually did a video course. I wouldn't do it that way again. But anyway, the point is, I did it and I started friends bought it and told their friends and I was off to a good start with it. And yeah, it was going and going. And then it was sort of like, wow, I ran out of all my particular networks. And I thought, I think I need a wider audience. And meanwhile, somebody, somebody had been saying to me, have you thought of having a podcast? And similar with Doug, I'd say, oh, come on. I don't know what to do with that stuff. I don't have time for that. I'm working all these jobs, you know, my side hustles, my main job, the you. Mm -hmm. And so finally, though, it clicked. Like, I think two or three people said, you know, podcasting's the thing. This was leading yeah. into 2018. Yeah. And in fact, by January of 2018, I thought, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and just try this podcasting thing. So, yeah, I guess I launched the course in 2017. And by the end of that year, I had decided to try to do a podcast. So I did like some tutorials wow. and then launched this podcast. And I decided instead of, I didn't want to be like the points guy who has all these people working for him and you know, I didn't want to like also just sit there and talk by myself about travel hacking. That sounded mm -hmm. exhausting. So I decided <laughs> to interview women who had found creative ways to travel more because despite my success with travel hacking and literally like quadrupling the amount of travel I was doing, there were still people out there traveling in creative ways that I hadn't thought mm. about beyond sign up bonuses and stuff like that. And they were traveling more than I was like they were my role models you know people yes. who sold everything and traveled the world for a year or yes. slow travel for a month or people I found out were international pet sitting so that's how they hacked the Gosh. system or whatever so they would get free room and board in exchange for watching a cat in a different country <laughs> um, oh, that's and you know things like that so that's how I started podcasting was I created the Globetrotter Lounge podcast to talk to women about how they're doing this and then also be able to pitch my course like of hey course. if you want to do it the way i do it which is with this yeah. you know, sign up bonuses then here's my course so that's really what started the podcasting i didn't know that i would then just fall in love with podcasting as a as a medium or whatever like i just love it separately oh. from travel <laughs> so. so a couple questions about the podcast where did you find the people for the show Were these just people you admired and how did you get your guests well i wanted to have diverse people on the show. I went on Instagram and was, you know, Instagram was blowing up with the travel scene. This was again, 2018. It was like, whoa, Instagram off the charts. Mm -hmm. And so I would find people there. And then pretty soon, no surprise, I started traveling. <laughs> I started traveling to find people. I started going to yeah. these women in travel summits. Yeah. There was one put on by this organization, Wonderful, which is for women travelers. And they had this women in travel kind of creator summits. So you would be all these uh -huh. travel bloggers and kind of influencers and all of that. So it was because one woman, she was part of like, let's see her platform. Well, and on Instagram was black girls travel too. I wanted to interview her and I just randomly saw she was speaking like two weeks later in Montreal at one of these summits. So I just yeah. booked a ticket with my miles, flew to Montreal to Quebec city actually, and met her in person and did not anticipate meeting hundreds of other great women too. So I started yeah. going to all these 
women creator travel people conferences and just grabbing them or scheduling mm-hmm. them. And then I had friends and then people would recommend people. And now I get the seasons have actually ended. I've ended the show for now anyway. And I still mm-hmm. get pitches all the time. I'm always like, sorry, I'm not in active production right now. But yeah. there's a lot of content out there. If anyone wants to listen, it's very evergreen content. So there's four and seasons where, worth. Where can they listen or what is it called and where can they listen? It's called the Globetrotter Lounge, and you can listen pretty much anywhere you find podcasts, or you can go to jetsetlazette.com. There you go. Then you had the course that you would market. Did you find that the podcast helped move more units of the course? It did. It did help. I think maybe not wildly, like it wasn't like, oh, all of a sudden it's just selling like hotcakes, but it definitely Mm -hmm. did increase. And in different ways too, because the Mm -hmm. podcasting led me to go to these travel summits, right? So then people there would, I would just word of mouth, like I started talking about it and then they would buy the course. I ended up collaborating with Wonderful and they had an affiliate code and whatever. So like we would collaborate and they would help me sell it. So just more connections, more interest, that kind of thing. Oh, that is uh, so smart. And yeah, it's like the more you live and the more you live in a particular space, the more connections you can see between how this can help that and then this could lead to that. But at the same time, there's a lot of serendipity to it as well. And you're just like, oh, but I think the key thing that I'm hearing is like, you would just do it. You would just try stuff, you know, like, huh, what if I did this? All right, let's give it a shot. What if I did that? Let's give it a shot. And you always seem to like find the opportunity with whatever it is with what you're doing. Before we get to what you're doing now, we're going to go way back here. You said you traveled a lot as a child. When you travel with your parents, sometimes people have negative experiences. And they're like, oh my God, I was in the back of the car and it was just fighting and all this stuff. But it seems like you had a really good experience traveling with your parents. I did. And actually, it's funny because I really had some epic adventures as a very young mm. person that I'm only recently have put together because, you know, you have your memories that are kind of choppy. And for example, I was four when we went to Europe, this one trip. And I remember funny things, right? I remember like the lady who babysat me, I think it might've been Spain or Italy, somewhere like that. I don't remember, but she had a parrot. I remember that really well. I remember being in France. I remember the swimming pool. I remember that I picked up a snail in the garden and it pooped on my hand. And I was really upset about that. And then we (laughs) ate them later or something. I was like, the whole thing was disturbing. (laughs) But (laughs) those are the kind of memories I had of the trip. And I knew that we had a babysitter that came with us. I knew she was the daughter of a family friend. I mean, I knew her name and everything. Hadn't seen her since then. She was 16 at the time. But interestingly, Mm. not that long ago, she reached out to me. She went back to the little town in France where the snail pooped on my hand. And she was like, I just was thinking about you and I found you on Facebook and I just want to reach out. I'm going to be in Seattle. Like, do you want to get together? I was like, oh my gosh, yes. And it was at that lunch that I realized something critical I had missed about the whole experience. So I knew that I had this babysitter and we spent time in that town because it was my mother's friend's father's house or something. And I thought we were all there together. And then, you know, we went on to all these other places around Europe. Well, no, we did kind of like we did do the other parts of the trip. But my mother and my dad left us there for like, I want to say like three or four weeks. <laughs> so, Dang. <laughs> so I was like, wait, time out. What? And that's why I remember the pool because we went to the pool a lot, she told me. And she yeah. had met this friend at the pool. 
And she was like, I said, wait a minute, are you telling me that you were 16 with me in this town? I'm like, did you speak a lot of French? She's like, no, not really. I'm like, your parents let this happen. She's like, yeah, we were staying with the Tontins, the, the name of the people we stayed with. I was like, oh my gosh, like what did we do all day? And she was telling me our little, like what we did. We went to the town and she would get me a baguette. And we made her friend at the pool and sometimes we'd hang out with other young teens. I'm like, this is crazy. Like Jet Set Lizette, like four years yeah. old, living in yeah. France in a small town with some elderly people that we knew sort of, you know, right. not very well. And what? You so... This is the kind of things that like don't happen today. But like back in the day, <laughs> while my parents were having fun, they were traveling all around. But see, the idea was so I grew up speaking French. My mother's from Montreal. Oh. And so she wanted to me to have a French summer and they got to have some time off as a couple, which was nice. But this yeah. was really the purpose was that I would be speaking. I would be immersed. I always spoke French with her you know, at home always. But she mm -hmm. really wanted to get me out of the American thing and, and speaking French. So this is why. I was there for so long. And then her friends were like, yeah, bring our daughter. She should learn some French too. So Martha and I were in this little town, Saint-Savignon. Saint How cool is that? Now you have a 21-year-old son, mm -hmm. right? Is it one child or do you have multiple Only children? one, yeah. I was only an only one. child and he was an only child and my dad was an only child. A little bit of a issue. We got a thread thing going here. Okay. <laughs> so yes, he has traveled a ton. In fact, he was definitely feeling like, like, this is just the thing. This is how we live. I remember recently he's like, hey, can I get some miles to go to Japan? I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> like my dad was with me. Like, I know. I was like, no, but that was when we all went together. But anyway, he thinks that miles grows on trees. But anyway, <laughs> the point is, that's how he got to live a lot of the last 10 years since he was like, yeah. well, since he was 10, I had all these miles. So he's been to Brazil. He's been to Japan. He's been to all over Europe. He's been to India. He was went to India when he was five. He's been wow. to Korea. Like he's been he's been all over the place and he loves traveling, you know, and it's not that I don't still treat him to some trips, but I'm not yet at the point where I'm just like giving him all my miles. Plus, he right. was, I like the next day. I'm like, do you know how many miles that would take? No. <laughs> yes. Yes. Are you getting him into the uh, points and miles game? Like he's old enough to get his own cards and things like that, right? Yeah. I mean, kind of easing into it, right? Because the <laughs> whole credit card game is a little tricky. Got to be good with your money. <laughs> I'm yes you gotta practice on some other cards maybe first i think yeah they have cards for like college age and young adults you know i was trying to say yeah. start there to build your credit because you have to have higher good credit score to get travel credit cards anyway actually this is a good point this is something i want to ask because there's people listening who are like okay you know i'm on the younger side i haven't really built my credit yet and it's perfect because you have a 21 year old son who's in the process of building his credit what advice would you give to someone with no credit history? How do you get from no credit history to a place where you can now start doing a little bit of travel hacking? Like what steps would you take to build up? Yeah, I would say just start with, they have some, again, geared towards students, geared towards young people who are starting out. Like that Discover card or Discover Chase cards. Yeah, student. you kind of even yeah. look for those and mm -hmm. start there and just have one and just practice being really good about paying on time because that's the number one thing. Late payments will hurt you. Pay on time. Also, I would say, please don't overspend because the idea is to get in the habit of not going into debt, even though that's what everybody thinks a credit card is for, for going into debt. But that's, of course, how the banks make money off of us. If you can not go into debt, even if it's just practice low levels of spending on your credit card, so you're sure you can pay it off at the end of the month. 
if you can get disciplined about that, number one, it's going to help you later if you do want to travel hack. And number two, you're going to start building credit. You don't want to not, I mean, the late payments issue, don't do those because that will not help you build good credit. But I would say, yeah, it's it's a little bit of a, you know, you have to think ahead. You have to have a little long-term gratification. You can't come out of the gate with all these great deals. But I do right. think there might be some cards. I would have to think on that. I feel like at one point I, there might be, like, I know Capital One's not going to give you a card. The Chase Banks probably won't give you a travel card. I'm My sure little Bank sister, of America. Yeah. her first credit card was a Chase Freedom Unlimited card, which came with the 20000 points. Okay. Well, they say $200, but it's a $500 at this point in time, the time of this recording, $500 minimum spend gets you quote unquote $200, which is actually 20,000 points, which you can then take to the travel portal and use on things. But then it gets really interesting, as you know, when you can start transferring your points out of the system to Hyatt or to Southwest. So actually, yeah, here's a good question. What is your bank of choice? And then we'll get down to some cards. What bank do you usually get cards with? Or does it matter? You're just like, whoever's giving me points, I'm, let's go. Yeah. I mean, really, I was in this so deep, I was just getting whatever card I could and kind of am still the same way because, and of course it's the game has changed since I started. When I started, it was kind of ridiculous what you could do with travel mm-hmm. hacking, but now it's a little more buttoned up. So you can't just get like every card. I do start with Chase because after I do what I now call my diets, those 524 diets, I feel like a lot of them, it's like 48 months now. Anyway, the point mm. is I stop opening cards and my husband will be the one opening uh, cards technically, even though I'm the one who manages it. But anyway, yep. player two. <laughs> yeah. So when I'm at a point where I'm ready to open cards again, I start with Chase because of their more tight rules about, you know, once you hit five cards that you've opened in the last 24 months, they're going to stop giving you the cards you want. Basically, they're like, nope, sorry, you're over your limit. So I start there. And I have a Chase Sapphire card that I've had in my wallet for like 10 years. I've never closed it. I'm quickly loving the Capital One Venture X card. Capital One was harder to break into. I felt like they didn't like all my cards that were open. So from the beginning, Uh, like back when everybody was giving cards willy nilly, they didn't care. Capital One was still like, "Mm -mm, no, what are you doing? (laughs) They're like, we don't want to get How did you finally get your Capital One card? Did you have to call the reconsideration line or you just applied enough times? I mean, I definitely am a big user of reconsideration lines, but I feel like I just finally had such a good credit score. That it, and maybe all the the dieting, so to speak, the, the pausing <laughs> in the opening cards probably helped me. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they were like, oh, she hasn't opened very many cards recently. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really liking the Venture X. American Express has been easy to get cards because they're yeah. like the once in a lifetime thing. And so yeah. they're kind of like, yeah, sure, take the card. You'll never get it again. Or you'll never get the sign up bonus again, really. Is mm-hmm. the thing. So I like, what I've done with my American Express cards. But you have a business too, though, right? So yes. that means you can get the personal Amex cards yes. and the business Amex cards. Yes. You can get, mm-hmm. And as I'm sure you know, the business cards do not count against the 524 rule. So that's right. It's very wonderful if you have a business and if you can work that angle. But yeah, I'd yes. say Chase has been a longstanding favorite. I like Capital One if you can get in there. For a while, there was that card. I think it's still there, the Barclay Aviator card. And that one was American Miles, and you could open it and charge just one charge and get 50,000 miles. That was the card oh, yeah. that I used to always tell people who would come to my courses and be very freaked out. Oh. They were like, I can't handle this. I'm like, you don't have to handle it. You just go open this one card and you yes. go get a latte 
And then you put that card in your drawer or in the freezer, whatever you need to do not to mess with it. And then Mm -hmm. you do pay $99, but $99, 50,000 miles, in my opinion, is worth it. Right. You fly to Europe. And they're like, oh, I can do that. And I'm like, now you're a travel hacker. (laughs) Yes. And it's so funny you mentioned that because there definitely still is a card like that where it's uh, a bunch of points. I can't remember the name of it. I believe it's a Barclays card, one charge, and you get I actually think it's over 50,000 points at this time because someone just showed it to me. Yeah, if I find mm-hmm. it, I'll send it to you. Oh, and the Capital One Lounge, they have one lounge. I haven't been. It's in Texas, I believe, right? Like in Dallas or something or Houston. I haven't have been, you been, been there. Not yet. I heard it's amazing. Okay. I need to go. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's on the list. Thank you for listening to the Traveling on Purpose podcast. That was part one of our interview today. Stay tuned for part two next week. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It will really help us out. To learn more about travel hacking, be sure to check out our website at vacayhq.com. You can also follow us on social media for the latest tips and tricks. Until next time, happy travels.